0: Thank you guys for being... Man, I'm excited uh, to, to open up God's Word here in just a second. But I did want to tell you something. Uh, this past Sunday, we took up an offering for our, our new North Campus. And uh, if you're not if you're not uh, familiar with what's going on here at Lindsay Lane and Lindsay Lane East, and um, so uh, uh, six years ago, uh, God planted this church through Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, what we call our East Campus. And uh, God has also opened a door for us to do it again in Elkmont. And so... Um, uh, God sent uh, Alan Ostriski, we sent him out of our church, and some other folks to go and to make an impact in the Elkmont community, and so last week, we took up an offering um, to pay for their building, and between us and Maine this last week, uh, we raised nearly $100,000 um, just between our two campuses, and then, so yeah, let's, let's give God praise for that. Um, the, the the building is completely paid for in one weekend. And so <laughs> that's, uh, that's just a testimony of, of God's faithfulness. And so if you gave to what God is, well, if you gave last week, and you can still give. I mean, they're still going to need buildings. they <laughs> They're still got a lot of things that they've got to do at that campus. So um, you can still give online, and you can still give in the offering plate. Just uh, designate that a particular way. Um, but God, God has uh, just blown our church away um, by that, and just to see how... Uh, he's been moving, and uh, it's going to be really, really cool to see how God uses that church out in Elpmont, uh for his glory. And so today we're finishing up this study uh, that we've been calling Rivalry, and it's been like six weeks long. And if you were here before I got here, you know Andy John did four-week sermons, and so it probably feels like, could not... This has taken forever to get through a six-week series. Um, but, uh, uh, but I promise you, today we're wrapping this thing up, and there's still so much more that we could have talked about in First Corinthians. Um, some of my pastor friends, when I told them I was doing a six-week study through First Corinthians, they just laughed at me. But, um, but what we've done is it has been very strategic in the things that we've studied. And so if you've got a Bible, go on and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to be here in just a second, so you can flip or click there, whatever your preference is. And uh, I want to just kind of walk back through, because heaven forbid we get through a six-week series and nobody remembers what we talked about. Wouldn't that just be awful? Um, That would make me feel like I uh, didn't do a good job. So we're going to give you a little refresher course before we dive into the study today, okay? Um, So week one, we just kind of did this like introduction uh, thing we did a little intro, but we began to look at the work of Christ um, in the church today is much larger than any one man, any one church, or any one denomination. Right? God is at work and has always been at work and will forever be at work in the world. And so, this we are only part of God's plan. And for as a church, that should that should cause us to be excited that God is working on our behalf and it should lead us to not be so argumentative and fussy. All right? Just straight up, right? If we're realizing that we're only part of this, this thing isn't rising and falling on us, God's the one in control, then um, Paul was really driving forward in chapter one that we should be working together for the kingdom. And so then we started looking at five specific issues that Paul lays out in the book of 1 Corinthians that calls rivalry in the church. And so, uh, And we came up with little uh, F words to go along with each one, all right? So... When factions divide was the first one, and what we talked about is that we all have preferences. We all have opinions about the church. We all have things you either uh, there's things you wish uh, there's songs you wish Patrick would do different, uh, or like, there's a way you would like for me to preach that's not the way I do now. Um, some of you, you know, whatever we've all or uh, the, the order of the the uh, the schedule week to week. Some of you wish we would do things different. Look, we have all got opinions. we've all got opinions, we've all got preferences. And as long as we keep those preferences where they are and don't allow them to become divisive, then we're okay. We can, we can still love one another. We can't allow um, our preferences about church uh, to get out of check. And so um, that was the first week. And then the second week, or really week number three, we looked at when family issues divide. And what we saw is that the health of our families here directly affects the health of the church as a whole. And therefore, Paul gave authority to the church to speak into the family. And I took that authority on week three and spoke into the family and said, mutual humility is is, is, a, is a total ground level necessity for any healthy relationship. If you have any bit of selfishness, Rising up in your heart, your marriage will suffer and you'll be a bad dad or a bad friend or a bad worker, right? Uh, We need humility in our relationships. And so that was when family issues divide. Uh, Week four, we looked at when friction divides. And if you were in the second service that week, this was one of your favorites because my example didn't work. You remember that? We rubbed the two balloons together and they were supposed to stay together. And they just fell. And so that did not work. Um, But what we talked about that week is that if we are being the church, if we're really walking with one another, if we're really loving one another, if we're really doing all the things that God's word calls us to do, there will be friction. Like we can't live as fallen human beings in close contact and not rub up against one another in the wrong way. But what we talked about is that sin is not, the friction is not sin. How we handle the friction is what sin is. And so we've got to seek reconciliation because the friction, can, the arguments and the discussions can actually draw us closer together if we'll seek reconciliation according to God's word. Then last week we looked at the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, and what we saw is that the church at Corinth were a bunch of goofballs who were not focusing on the right things. They were taken very frivolous, something that God had said that was important. And um, you had the haves. This is going to be important for our study today. But there were the haves, the, the rich people, in Corinth uh, who were just gorging themselves on on, uh, on good food and, and all kind of things. And then they were allowing their, their fellow brothers and sisters to go with no food um, or little food. And then they were sitting down together and sharing the Lord's Supper. And what Paul was saying is, yeah, the Lord's Supper is not just about an act. It's about a change of heart where we love and we seek one another and we really do see each other as equals. And so if you missed every study, if this is your first time here with us, you just went through the whole six-week study, all right? That's good. And some of y'all are thinking, why didn't you do it that quick each week? But we didn't. Uh, so today we're looking at, and here's what I need. Some of y'all, if you're a fact checker, okay, if I say something and your immediate thing to go is, is that true? Go on and get your phone out because I'm going to show you a word that you're not going to think is real and you're going to want to look it up. The word we're going to look at is the word farrago, okay? Because we had to come up with, uh, I, I'm, I, was, I, I was dead set on having an F word to go along with each one of these, okay? So today we're looking at when farrago divides. We're going to talk about, our, actually our children's minister, Miss Terry, is the one that helped me come up with that. And it's the perfect word for this study because it's the ter- it's a terrible word, okay? It's the perfect word because it's an imperfect word, and that'll make sense as we go through. But I want to show you what the word farrago means. Seriously, if you want to check me... Get out your phones because I don't want you to go the rest of the service thinking he's making that word up. I want you to know for sure. This is from dictionary.com. A confused mixture, hodgepodge, or medley, okay? And so um, that's what we're going to be focusing on today. We're going to be looking at how the church is or is not a confused mixture, hodgepodge, or medley. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to read three verses from chapter 12, Okay. Then I'm going to pray, and we're going to come back and study this thing together. We can do this. Let's do it. Let us let me read. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. God, that you have given us your word to lead us, guide us, direct us, God, and help us. And I pray, God, that today um, as, uh, as I stand before my church family, God, that I love so much and expose the truths of your word to them today and to my heart, God, that you would help us all to leave here changed, having heard your word proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So there are times when I'm going to stand before you, And we're going to go to a text, and we're going to zoom in so close you can smell it. Okay, We're going to zoom in on specific words and phrases, and that's important to do. When you're studying the Bible for yourself, um, you need to oftentimes zoom in and really focus on specific words. But it can be just as important to zoom back, to zoom out, and to see the bigger picture of what is going on. This is just a tidbit for you. 1 Corinthians is a series of arguments that Paul is making. And if you zoom all the way in, you don't see the big picture, right? Um, you've got to you've got to zoom back and see it. And so, what you're going to see is that these arguments that Paul's making, in particularly over the Lord's Supper and over spiritual gifts, seem very unique and separate. But what Paul's doing is he's stringing this one argument together through the whole thing. And so that's what I hope to do for you today because I've preached 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I've never done it in context of chapter 11. Full confession, okay? Y'all can pray for me, all right? And I've never heard it proclaimed in light of chapter 11. And so, but as we've been going through this and I, I preached through chapter 11 and now we're into chapter 12, I'm realizing um, how the two really tie together. And so what we're gonna see is the problem in Corinth. We're gonna see the solution and then we're going to see the outcome. Seems easy, right? And here's where you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to struggle because 60% of my sermon is in point number one. So don't panic, okay? Point two and three come quick, all right? So if you're watching your watch, I promise you, it's going to be good. All right, so point number one, the problem. What we see first is the problem in the church at Corinth was diversity, Okay? Um, We wrapped up the last chapter by looking at the Lord's Supper. As I've already said, Paul's beef with what was going on was a socioeconomic issue. You had those that were the haves and those that were the have-nots. And the haves were not loving properly the have-nots. They were neglecting them. And uh, and then they would try to sit down together and take the Lord's Supper and act like they loved each other. But Paul's saying, man, the, the Lord's Supper is nullified through your hypocrisy. If you don't love them before the meal, you're not going to love them in the meal. And so there's clearly this socioeconomic difference between those in Corinth. But what Paul points out in chapter 12 is that there is more diversity than that. It wasn't just socioeconomic differences. Paul says that the people of Corinth were different. But he doesn't just say that. Because that would be easy, right? He actually says different, different, different. Now, if you're in my Wednesday night, Group uh, here. We do, we do groups and stuff on Wednesday night. Um, other times too, but my group is on Wednesday night here in this, in this room. And we're talking about how to study the Bible. And there's two things that come up in that. When you're studying the Bible, you need to look for lists. You need to look for lists. Anytime multiple things are listed with commas in between them, that's something to take note of. And anytime you see repetitive words, that's important. Paul says different gifts different ministries, and different activities. Now, I was trying to nerd out. I got so excited because we've been talking about lists and repetitive words on Wednesday night, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good. Paul used different three times, and then he used these words coupled with it, and I got so excited, and I started nerding out and looking at gifts, ministries, and activities and how they were different, and I was so pumped. And then I realized that's not important. Isn't that sad? It's sad to get really excited and nerdy, and then it just totally flops. Because what I realize is that the emphasis isn't on gifts, ministry, and activities. What Paul's wanting to get across is the word different. What Paul's wanting to say is that different to the power of three is, is the differences that were going on in the church. He talks about... Um, The focus is on that repetitive word, different. Paul is helping them see that the socioeconomic differences that have already been addressed is nothing compared to the plethora of differences that are going on in the church. There's no end to it. But Paul doesn't just say that there's difference. What does he also say? He uses the word same, doesn't he? Did you hear that when I was reading or read it in your Bible? He uses the word same. And he gives us three comments. He says, yes, you are vastly different, but there is something that binds you together that is greater. And what Paul tells the church is that it's actually God himself. The words he uses here are important. Okay, gifts, ministries, activities, I may argue, are not that as important because they don't mean as much difference. But here, Paul says three things. He says, you have different gifts, but the same what? Spirit. Paul says, don't forget that the same Spirit of God that's working in every other believer in Corinth is the one that's at work in you. And then he says, you have different ministries, but the same what? Lord. Lord. This word Lord is a term that Paul uses almost exclusively for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we've got the Spirit of God, that's the same. We've got the Son of God, that's the same. Now let's see how he wraps it up. Different activities, but the same God. When Paul uses the word God, he's most often referring to God the Father. So here what Paul says is, yeah, you got a lot of differences. Yeah, in fact, there's no two people that are anywhere close to the same in Corinth. You're all completely different. But you know what is the same? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that indwells you, called you, saved you, died for you, all of those things. So Paul's argument is that sure you are different as night and day, but you've been called by the same God to unity, and isn't that what makes unity beautiful? You see, um, I had a friend growing up, and man, we were just alike. I mean, like we were, we loved the same things. We had all the same interests. Like we just loved hanging out together, and when we got together, we just we just had fun. It's easy to be with someone who's just like you. Right? They have the same opinions. You don't argue about politics or stuff like that, right? You get together and you just you love one another because you're the same. That's not beautiful. That's sameness. That's easy, right? What's hard is what some of our marriages look like. Right? It's because God brought two people who are vastly different, very diverse in multiple levels and brought them together. And when that is getting along, and when those two very different people with totally different chromosomes work together, that's beautiful. And that's what Paul's arguing for here, is that we have got, yes, there is diversity, but in diversity, if unity can be accomplished, it's beautiful. One of the things I thought about um, and I apologize to the early service. I feel like I've talked a lot about politics, like in my sermons, like I brought up Democrats, Republicans stuff a lot. But it's because we're talking about fighting, okay? So it just seems easy. The next sermon we're talking about is the hospitality of Jesus. I won't talk a whole lot about politics, okay? Uh, so just bear with me. Um, but I was thinking about this in light of that. Like, uh, of course, we all know there's very differences of, of policies and things between Democrats and Republicans. And so I started thinking about what would it look like for them to work together? When is the last time in my life that I remember seeing Democrats and Republicans working together and not talking about their differences? And, you know, I went back 19 years before I really felt like I saw it. What happened? 9-11. That's the last time I remember it. And some of y'all, some of y'all got a lot more years on me and you may remember more than that, but like that's all I, that's it for me. That's the only time in my life I remember that there was seemed to be some unity. And why was there unity in that moment? It was because it was a common th- it was a commonness. There was a sameness. There was hey, we've got differences, yeah. Man, you like this, we're against that. We like this, you're against that. But at the end of the day, man, what we're focused on right now is bigger and greater than any of our differences. And what Paul is arguing for is that that's the mentality that Corinth needed in the church. Yes, you're different in a bunch of different ways. Some of you cheer for... Alabama and some of you cheer for Auburn that was still a thing back in the first century Um, but what Paul saying, like there's differences there's issues but what you need to understand is that there is a commonness there is a sameness that is greater than any of your differences and that's what we need to begin to focus on that's what we've got to turn our eyes to don't focus on your differences but remember what unites us and that that unites us is the God of all creation. It's God, Paul says, that produces each gift in each person. The sameness is infinitely greater than their differences. But Paul knew that it should be enough just to say, don't focus on your differences, focus on the sameness. But Paul knew the Corinthians were just like me and you, and we weren't going to listen to them. So Paul gives us this kind of silly analogy. I didn't realize how kind of silly and childish it is until I was reading this whole analogy of the body and how the body parts start talking to each other. It feels a little bit like a VeggieTales kind of cartoon, if you're familiar with that. Um, But it's very helpful. What Paul helps them see is how dangerous the mindset of focusing on differences instead of the sameness can be in the church. He compares the church at Corinth to a body. And it's very important. And so I told you that the problem is diversity. But if we focus on that problem, on the diversity, that can lead to two major issues that we see in the text. Number one, or letter A, if you're a note taker, you just freaked out because I gave you two number ones. (laughs) Number one is the problem. Letter A is feelings of inadequacy. Look at uh, verse 15. This is kind of Paul's transition into verse 12. He starts talking about the body. And in verse 15, this is what he says. Um, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason, any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You see the foot and the ear are getting a little self-conscious. Okay. They're a little, they're a little unsure of themselves, Right. The foot thinks, man, the hand is so much more important. Like I can't hold a pencil, you know. Like I can't cook, I can't do any of those things. I'm just a foot. I'm just for stepping on, and I stink, right? And so the, I'm embellishing this a little bit more than I should, I guess. But but the eye, and then the eye, the eye or the ear says, man, I'm not an eye. I'm not as important as an eye. You see the the foot and the ear are feeling inadequate in comparison to the more important parts of the body. But Paul's point is that, praise God, we're not all feet. And praise God, we have ears, right? If the whole body were an eye, he said, we would be some sort of weird monster, not a body. And everyone has a role to play In the body, he continues on in verse eighteen and nineteen. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body. Listen to this: just as He wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? You see, Paul doubles down on this by saying that God has arranged. See, it's not enough to say, "Okay, yes," uh, like the body of Christ or our our physical bodies, whichever one you want to look at. Like there's there's uh, diversity. And that's a good thing. And Paul says, it goes, it's more than that. It's not just that there is diversity in the church and in our bodies and that it's a good thing. He says, God actually designed it that way. He says that God arranged it that way. God built into the DNA of the human body different body parts. And in the same way, God built into the church differences there's an intentionality to what god is doing in the human body in the same way there is intentionality to what god is doing in the body of christ the church god is actively involved in the roles that he has prepared for us to play in our local church verse six says he produces the gifts in us and now in verse uh, something whatever i just read um he says that he is arranging the members do you see that? This is important. This is an important thing for us to acknowledge that God is not uh, taken back God is not surprised by the diversity in our church. God built the diversity in we'll talk about it some more here in a second. If you feel so what we 're talking about is this feeling of inadequacy. If you are feeling inadequate in this church because you're not a teacher because you're not a team leader here. You need to know that every single role in our church is important. You know how many people it takes to pull off a worship service at East? A whole lot more than one. I estimated between 35 and 50 people. It depends on the Sunday. 35 to 50 people are involved in making sure that this happens on Sunday morning. Isn't that crazy? and every and most of them are not the ones on stage right? They're not upfront leaders, they're not teachers, they're simply serving in background ways that are vitally important. Feelings of inadequacy though are not the only issues that Paul talks about. He says also you need to guard against neglect. All right? Neglect. Here's a couple here's some more comments from these awesome body parts, all right? Verse 21 The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Indeed, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. Here there's an issue between body parts that are considered important and others that are not. But Paul is reminding us, or he's reminding the Corinthians that we are really dumb in the way that we treat our bodies. Do you spend more of your time preparing your face for the outside world or your lungs? It's not a trick question. Your face, right? Did any of you do lung exercises this morning? Maybe you did if you have a lung problem. But like, you probably worked on this to make sure that it was good. And then you came. Is your face going to kill you one day? Or will your lungs more likely, right? Do you see the difference? We've put all of our emphasis on the pretty parts. We put all of our emphasis on the outward things. We put all of our honor on the things. Some of y'all are laughing, and y'all shouldn't be laughing. Y'all are thinking, I know somebody whose face could kill. And if they're sitting beside you and they're, you're married to them, you better keep it shut. Um, and y'all got me off my notes. So oftentimes, we give all the attention to the weird parts of our body. We spend tons of time fixing our hair, looking in the mirror. But these out, we want to make these outward parts as pretty as we can. But the most important parts of our body, we don't even worry about. We don't spend time preparing them and working on them. That's why Paul says the weaker parts are indispensable. And then again, he says, God set it up this way. Verse 24. He says, instead, God has put the body together. Now that sounds real passive, doesn't it? (laughs) No, that's not passive. God has put the body together in a particular way. God seeks to level out the honor in our bodies. He knew that all of our focus would be on the face. And we would ignore our important background organs. But those are the ones that God made the most important. There is a debate in the first service over the appendix. I get it. Okay? We can talk to God about that. I know. Anyway, again, here, God has put the body together in a specific way. In a specific way way in the church there are some roles that get all the attention okay um, myself and the worship team are in front of you every single week I'm the only person that gets patted on the back every single Sunday or kicked in the shins depending on how y'all like the sermon but I, I literally stand at the back door and shake your hands every week and some of you say good sermon pastor good sermon good sermon good sermon good sermon and we got nursery workers who are working a lot harder than I am today I don't get anything. We got folks in the parking lot. We got a security team. We got a lot of folks. In fact, I want, I want to just let I want to let you behind the curtain of, of one role in particular that's close to my heart. Uh, the first role that I served in the church I grew up in was as uh, on our very first computer guy. Okay, like that meant I hit the space bar through the slides, and so I would get the songs in there, and then I would do that, and so I. Uh, Here's the thing about a lot of background roles—you don't know that they exist until they mess up, right? And so we had we had gone we had had hymnals my whole life, and then we had invested this money in this these fancy computer projectors and hung them from the ceiling and put these screens on the wall, and we were so high tech. And I'm running it as a 15 year old kid, and that's good, right? And so I'm a 15-year-old kid, and I'm running the computer. And, uh, and, and what I, that's what I knew, though. I knew that what I realized is that nobody even knew what I was doing. As the songs were changing, they just assumed it was magic <laughs> until I f- got distracted, right? <laughs> and I forgot to hit the button, and everybody turns around and looks, right? And so the one... The, and then there's I'm going to share this one story because I'll share it with the first service. Um, the church, the, 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 the first church I served in... Um, the uh, there's a song, "Crown Him with Many Crowns." You don't know the song I'm talking about. It's a beautiful song. It's one of those hymns that I love, man. And uh, there's a particular part of that song that talks about angels just falling down before the Lord in worship, and they use the word prostrate. Um, and the worship team at the church I was at, uh, or the guy that typed the songs in, it wasn't me at this time, uh, left the R out. Very important R. <laughs> And so we all sang, we all sang, let angels prostate fall. And that does not feel as much like worship, right? And so again, I did not know he was going to put it out there. Uh, So (laughs) we got a great worship team here. Thanks, (laughs) Daryl. All right. Um, but, But in all honesty, like you don't know, there's so many roles that you don't know how important they are. Until there's a misspelled word or there's something wrong, right? Until there's not coffee one Sunday morning. All you got, you know that somebody actually fixes that coffee. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that for us. (laughs) Like somebody fixes that coffee. These chairs are arranged. We've got, listen, we've got parking lot folks, We've got greeters at the door. We've got nursery and preschool workers. Praise God for them. We've got kids' men workers. We've got two Sunday morning group leaders that meet during the first service who study and prepare to lead um, in Bible study. We have people who set up cones, those who fix coffee, those who come in straight in chairs, check cards and pencils in every seat. We've got the media team, the worship team, the security team, and the counseling team who always have two people ready at the end of our invitation to talk with you if you need to accept Jesus Christ. 35 to 50 people every Sunday getting after it, and most of them you don't know. Now, I'm working as a pastor to try to remedy the fact that you don't always know them, okay? I, I, want, I want us to do a better job in the future of acknowledging those roles in the background. Uh, so pray for me in that as we're trying to figure out what that looks like. I can't, sh- I can't read their names off every single week <laughs> and uh, celebrate them, but we're, we're looking at some cool ways that we can do that. Um, but listen, here's a side note for you. Every one of those teams needs more help. Every one of them. And uh, you may think, man, I'm not a teacher. I can't, I can't do all this. I can't I can't do that. I mean, you can do something. I want to talk some more about it here in a second. But um, in the back of the seat in front of you, I want to go in and give you a heads up. If God's already stirring in your heart to begin to serve, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card. Grab that card. Go on and start filling it out. Um, and Miss May Beasley, is Miss May may not be here. Somebody's. Uh, she's out. Okay, she's she's tied up right now. But Miss may, may, somebody's going to be at the welcome desk. <laughs> Um, if if you don't okay, Miss Ginger maybe, um, bring your card by there and don't try to get a free T-shirt. Okay, if you're if you're a first time guest, give your card and tell them you're a first time guest. But if you're just trying to find a role to serve in, hand with the card and let them know um, that uh, that that you want to begin to serve and we want to get in touch with you and get you the training that you need so that you can serve well. All right, so. Um, again, I told you 70% of the sermon is in point number one. The problem is diversity. Let's look at the solution. We've already begun to talk about it. Number two, the solution is perspective. We have really already answered this, but I, I got to clarify it, that to live in unity as a, as a diverse body, Paul says the key is to see things from God's perspective instead of ours. If we were to look at the church of Corinth or our church, we would expect to see a farrago. Let's go back to that word that y'all think I made up, a hodgepodge, right? You look around, i look around at all of you, beautiful people, and all I can think is, man, what a different bunch of people we are, right? Some of you like sports. Some of you can't stand sports. Some of you are engineers. Others of you are, uh, you know, manual labor. Like, well, we all have these different we're different in so many different ways. But listen, we are not a confused mixture, We are not a hodgepodge. We are not a medley. Because the sovereign God of creation has appointed and brought us together. We're not a confused mixture. Oftentimes we only see our differences and our diversity. We neglect to acknowledge that God has been actively involved in this whole process. Our church is not a confused hodgepodge of people with little to no purpose. In fact, we've seen in this text that there is great purpose in our diversity. Listen to what God says. These are active words. Again, if you're in my Wednesday night group, these are active verbs that that are used of God. God has given gifts. God has distributed. God has arranged and God has put together. Now, those things don't sound passive to me. Do you? Do they to you? Those sound like hands-on, dirt-under-your-fingernails words to talk about how God has brought this body together. And once we begin to see our church the way God does, our diversity is no longer a hindrance or barrier to unity. It's the source of it. That didn't even land with you. I'm going to read it again. I liked it so much I put it on the screen. Once we see our church the way God does, our diversity is no longer a hindrance or barrier to unity. It's the source of it. Isn't that good? I mean, I wrote it, but it's good. <laughs> it's good. Because when we begin to see that God has brought this, people of t- these, this weird, different group of people together for a purpose then it's not going to our differences and our arguments are not going to push us apart. And if I have a conversation with Matt and he says, you know, man, uh, this dot, 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 this, this, and this, I wish we would do different as a church. I can get mad at that, but when I see that God brought Matt to our church for a purpose, I see Matt's thoughts and his preferences as adding to what God is doing here, not taking away. You see? Because if all y'all were like me, we would have to shut the doors quickly because we'd make a lot of dumb decisions. But we're here in this together. And praise God for Matt. I used Patrick in the first service. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do that again. Um, give him a break. All right, so when we, when we begin to see the solution, when we begin to see uh, from God's perspective, the outcome is unity. Number three, outcome is unity. This is how Paul ends the text. Starting in verse 24. Instead, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Now, I already read verse 24 to you. God has put the body together giving greater honor to the less honorable What are the next two words, Wednesday night group? So that. That's an important part. When you're studying the Bible, look for these type words. So that. That tells us why has God put the body together in the ways that we have discussed here today? So that there would be no division in the body. And he goes on to say, instead, the members would have concern for one another. When one member suffers, everyone suffers. When one member is honored, everybody rejoices. He says, you are the body of Christ. That's Paul's train of thought here. And what you need to see, uh, I'm going to give you math people. If you're an algebra person, all right? Um, Algebra, that's math with uh, letters. Are you all familiar with algebra? All right, I'm going to give you some math with letters. Um, Diversity plus perspective equals unity. Right When when, when we recognize we are diverse, we can't do anything about that, but when we recognize that in God's perspective, when we see our diversity from the way that God designed it, then we can actually achieve true unity and we can move and exist as a family and as a body. And when that happens, we'll naturally care for one another better. Like when somebody's sick, we're not going to have to get on the phone and line up meals. It's going to happen. We're not going to have to say, hey, don't forget to pray for so-and-so because we're going to do it. Hey, y'all celebrate. Pat got a new job this week. We're not going to have to remind you of that. You're going to be pumped because Pat, I don't know if Pat got a new job, but maybe he likes his job. I don't know. But that's the point when when we, we've got to get to this point as a church. And I know I've just been here, and I'm not saying we're far from this, but we've got to begin to view our diversity through God's perspective and then allow God to draw us closer together. This is what the text, I believe, in of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about. And I want to see us continue to focus on this and love one another going forward. And so anytime we study a text like this, we have to ask the question, What are we going to do with this? Right? And so I'm going to turn it around on you. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this text today? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what I think you should do with it, okay? Here's the first thing you might could do with this text today. I pray that it changes the way you view Lindsay Lane East. We are a body. One. Totally unified. Supposed to be. We're diverse, yes. Weird, yes. Different, yes. All those things. But God has brought us together for a purpose. I've only been here two months, a little over two months. God brought me here for a purpose. God brought every one of you here for a purpose. He appointed and put you, put us together in this way. And I pray that this text that we've talked about changes the way we view the church and you begin to see that every member has a role to play. and We are all important and we all matter. The second thing I pray that you do with this text, I pray it moves you from sitting to serving. I pray it moves you from sitting to serving. We all know the appendix. Doesn't seem to do a whole lot. Don't be an appendix. Right? When I'm asked, how can I get plugged in here at East? There's three things that I say. What are they? Be at the? Be in a? Be a part? The movement of God. We're learning. We're learning, okay? Be at the gathering, be in a group, be a part of the movement of God. A big part of that. The first step in being a part of the movement of God for most people is serving in the church. And I just laid out for you earlier like 12 to 15 teams that you can be a part of. I would love to help you find what your role is here because every part of my body plays a role in my overall health. It's okay if you aren't serving here at East today. But you need a role to play going forward. No matter how old you are, no matter what your health looks like, how bad your knees are, what disease you might have, or how... Little you've been a Christian. Man, I've only been a Christian for six months. Well, praise God for you. Let's find you a place to serve. Again, sign up today. Grab that card from the back of the seat in front of you and carry it uh, to the welcome desk and let us know that you want to begin to serve. And the third thing I pray it does is it causes some of you to dwell on who Christ is. Long before Lindsey Lane East could carry the name the body of Christ Jesus had a literal body here on earth Um, and he uh, he lived it perfectly he lived the life that you and I couldn't live in a million tries and then he died the death that you and I should have like we deserve to die a million times over and he did all of that for you so that you could be changed so, that you could actually come back into a relationship with God that God designed from the very beginning. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, when we talk about being the body of Christ, it begins with a relationship with God through Jesus. And I would love to talk with you about how you can trust in Jesus. Um, I've been changed by that so many of these have here in a second we're going to sing one more song just as a response to what God's done in our midst I'm going to be right down here and I'd love for you just to come and let me know uh, that you want to talk and uh, I'll let you I'll talk with you and have a conversation with you and, and let you show you how you can trust in Jesus today and here's the good news the next three weeks or four weeks you come forward for um, for salvation we've already got your baptism planned. We're, we're showing up on Easter morning. We've got three different services on Easter. We've got a 7.30, a 9, and a 10.45 on Easter. We're showing up Easter morning with the water full. And that's our prayer. We're saying, God, you, we're going to fill up the tub. You fill it up with people. Right? We're going to fill it up with the water. You fill it up with people. And our plan, we're, we're dunking somebody in every service. So y'all, some, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, that's our goal. That's what we're asking God is that God... God, help us to have a beautiful picture of the resurrection. It's what the baptism is it's a symbol of the resurrection, aligning ourselves with Christ. God, let us in all three services have at least one person between now and that Sunday who's ready to take that step. And so today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, we've got your baptism plan. We're going to have a big crowd that day just for you. We're excited. Some of you, maybe you are a Christian, but you've never been baptized. Um, there's no better day than Easter, April 14th, 2020. We would love to do that. We'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe some of you, maybe you were sprinkled as a baby or as a child. Man, praise God for the faith of your parents. That's awesome. Um, Your parents showed great faith and trusting, um, and and they trusted God. But, But what better way to honor their faith than for you to trust in Jesus Christ for yourself? And to be baptized in these waters. To be, to be not sprinkled with the water of Jesus Christ, but to be buried in it. And to be raised up, just as Christ was buried and raised up on our behalf. If, you've, if you were sprinkled as a child, but now you've got your own faith, we would love to talk with you about how you can be baptized here. and would explain to you what that means. We'd love to do that. So today... Any of that stuff. You can come to the altar and pray for our church. You can come and pray for the unity of our church. You can come and confess sins before the Lord here at the altar. I'll be right down here to talk with you about anything that you want to talk about. Um, we'll have counselor folks that are available. I also can pray with you. And, uh, but man, we just want to respond in whatever way God leads, okay? I'm going to say a word of prayer. Worship team, y'all come on up. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we're all going to stand, uh, sing, and respond as God leads. Let's Let's pray. Father we do um, God uh, we, we trust um, God in your word because God we uh, we know God that our hearts and lives have been changed I mine has God by what I read in it and God uh, my heart um, God you changed it when I was just a young kid and God you've been changing it and molding it and making it more into the image of Jesus my entire life And I know you're not through with me yet. And God, I'm thankful that you never forget me and you never leave me. You're always working on me, Father. I pray, God, that today as we've talked about unity as a church, God, I pray that, that God, we would all be drawn deeper in the understanding that we are one body. Uh, God, we don't get to do Christian life alone. Uh, God, you brought us together for a purpose. And God, I don't know what you're going to do with East going forward, but God, I'm pumped about it because I know it's going to be good, because your plans are good, and there's lost people that need Jesus. So Father, God, help us to be unified in our diversity and to draw one another closer. God, to celebrate with those who are celebrating, mourn with those who mourn, and be the body that you've called us to be. God, help us to respond in whatever way necessary today. We trust you and we thank you. In Jesus' name,